Hello and welcome back to 18 Year Old's Guide to True Crime. My name is Hurika and I'm your host. For today's episode we'll be talking about the case of the man who made skin and furniture. No, not furniture that looks like skin, but furniture that is literally made out of human skin. The case of Ed Gein. Before the episode begins, this case features abuse and mutilation. So if that is something you do not want to hear about, feel free to skip this episode and come back at a later date. I also want to apologise if I mispronounce anything. Edward Theodore Gein was born 27th of August 1906, making the would-be serial killer a Fergo. People that fall under the Fergo astrological sign are found to be highly reliable, intelligent, modest and reserved. Virgos also tend to be open-minded, constantly thinking, constantly analysing and are always striving to make themselves a better person. Gein was born in Lacoste, Wisconsin to George Philip Gein and his wife Augusta Wilhelmina Gein, who had previously had another son a year before called Henry George Gein. However, that doesn't mean Gein had the best childhood. His dad George was an alcoholic and his mum Augusta was extremely religious and would verbally abuse the young boy. She would always tell her sons about the immortality of the universe for evil of drinking and all women barring herself, of course, were devil spawn. In 1915, when Gein was nine years old, the family moved to a small farm just outside Plainfield. The nine-year-old barely lived in the farm, only being allowed to do so when he had school. Skipping ahead 25 years, Gein's older brother Henry became the man of the house. Well, farm. When their dad died, due to his alcohol addiction. This meant that the Gein brothers had to do odd jobs to make ends meet. Four years later, Gein and his brother Henry were working on the family farm, burning bush, when they lost control of the fire, Henry dying in flames. However, due to the suspicious circumstances surrounding Henry's death, which I will mention now, when the boys lost control of the fire, Gein called 911 to report that his brother was missing. But when they arrived, Gein led them directly to his brother's body, which was burnt. It was also found that Henry was found with bruises on his head, which wasn't from a fire, yet his death was ruled to be an accident. As I was saying, due to the suspicious circumstances and the acts that Gein would go on to commit, some people believe that Henry did not die because of the fire, but instead at the hands of his younger brother. Soon after her eldest son's death, Augusta had a stroke, Gein becoming even more obsessively devoted to his mother, his devotion ending when she died in 1945. After his mother's death, Gein became a recluse, a hermit, closing off the areas of the farmhouse where his mother spent most of her time, the rest of the house fading away. That same year, Ed Gein found an interesting hobby. When the sun would fall and the moon would rise, Ed Gein would make his way into graveyards and dig up the graves, taking the body parts of any corpse that would remind him of his dead mum. He would then take body parts home and mutilate them, displaying them around the house as trophies, even turning one of these trophies into a corset. I'm going to pause this case quickly to talk about Victor Travis and Ray Burgess, who were hunters, and on November 1st, 1950, 
Victor left his wife to meet up with Ray and go hunting for deer, which is something the two of them did often. The two of them would go to a bar and leave at 7pm. Little did the men know this would be the last time anyone would see them. It wouldn't be until five years later, when the police are investigating multiple missing persons in the area, they question Ed Keen. However, due to him only targeting women, they were unable to link him to the men's disappearances. Anyway, back to the case. In 1954, a woman called Mary Hogan disappeared from her tavern and was later shot by Gein, holding a 32 pistol. Remember her, because her name will come up again. Ed's world will come crashing down on November 16, 1957, when he would drive into Plainfield to buy some antifreeze at Bernice Warden's hardware store. While in the shop, Gein would grab one of the guns that were on a display specifically a twenty two caliber rifle and shot her to death before slitting her throat and putting her body into the back of a truck. Later that same day, Warden was reported missing. Since Keane's car had been spotted in the village that day and he was already a suspicious character, the police stopped at his farm to talk to him, but to no avail due to him not being there. The police decided to come at a later date, which they did. It was on their second trip when Rushara County Sheriff Arthur Skeely peeked into his shed and found the missing beneath hanging upside down, gutted. The body was described as hanging by the ankles with the tendons being cut out and a rod placed through them and her head missing. The state of the body caused the county sheriff on scene to be sick just outside the shed. After an inspection of a nearby property, Warden's head would be found in a burlap sack and her internal organs discarded in a nearby bucket. Inside the house, the police would find five human heads wrapped in plastic bags and four skulls. If you guys have heard of Leatherface or seen the horror film Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next bit might sound a bit familiar. Along with the human head and skulls, the police found 10 death masks which are made by removing the hair and the face from a human head. Earlier I mentioned a Mary Hogan who was found, well her face was found, which Keane had crafted into a skull cap, but that was not the only piece of furniture or human made accessory that would be found. Police found multiple chairs and lampshades made from human skin, four noses, two different sets of lips, a belt that was purely made of female nipples and a collection of genitals that belonged to the female body. Two of her fathers in Gaines' collection was later found to have belonged to teenage girls, which police concluded that Gein had most likely killed. On the stove in the kitchen, a saucepan was found and inside was Bernice Warden's heart. There was also a bin made of human skin and skulls which were attached to bedposts and after even further inspection, bowls that were made of the crown, which is the name of the top of your skull. When he was arrested, Ed Gein admitted to killing Bernice Warden, but said all the home-crafted furniture was made from bodies that he robbed from two nearby graveyards, the Plainfield Cemetery, the Spiritland Cemetery in Portage County, and the Hancock Cemetery. He also admitted to killing Mary Hogan on December 8, 1954. At first, the police did not believe Gein's stories regarding him grave robbing. However, when they opened the caskets belonging to Eleanor Adams and Mabel Everson, both were found empty. 
Game saying he wasn't exactly all there and he loved the groves as he was in the days. According to Gein, he returned some bodies to their resting places after feeling remorse. But we do not know if this is true or if it is a lie created by Gein. Something really odd Gein did was he would dress up with the body parts he had collected. A death mask covering his face, a skin shirt which included women's breasts, and a vagina covering his genitals along with panties. Then he would dance around the farm at night. Dean was not a hunter but gave packages of venison to his neighbours, which was later found to be human meat which sickened the community. Based on this, the police believed Ed Gein would also take part in cannibalism but could not prove it. In January 1958, Gein was committed to Wisconsin Central State Hospital for the criminally insane at Walpen, which he stayed for 10 years. However, in November 1968, in a bench trial, Gein was convicted of murder in the first degree for Warden's death, but was later found not guilty due to insanity because of his schizophrenia diagnosis. Gein was then moved to Mendota Mental Health Institute in Madison, where he stayed till he died in 1984 of cancer. He would then be buried in a grave next to his mother in Plainfield Cemetery, which was the same graveyard that he stole corpses from. And that is where I'm going to end episode 11 of 18 Year Old's Guide to Drew Crime. If you wanted to suggest a case, send a voice message, which you can do via the Anchor website where I host this podcast, or send an email to 18 Year Old's Guide to True Crime at gmail.com. Stay tuned for the next episode where I'll be talking about the case of a Ford family murder.